everybody clink your glasses. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Welcome season two. Cheers. Season Woo. two, baby. Woo. Yeah, China on the rocks. Part two, China on the rocks. Good to be back. Mm. Nice. Today we're talking about a fantastic topic. We're talking about uh, sustainability in the in the alcohol industry. And just announce yourselves, by the way. Well, okay, so uh, I'm Helena. I'm the I'm the co-founder of Chinese craft gin brand Crimson Pangolin. Uh, to my right, we have. Uh, I'm Calvin. I am the business development manager at Crimson Penguin. And to my right is Elisha. Hi, I'm Elisha, drinks and spirits uh, writer here in China. Cocktail okay. writer. And Logan. I'm Logan from Talkalicious. Uh, guys, we're going to do a very fun episode, and thank you for listening. Thank yeah. you for listening to season two, everybody. Yeah, and thank you for all your support during season one. That really meant a lot to us. Um, and we're super excited to start season two because I think we have a lot of like very interesting guests lined up, interesting topics. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good season. Yes, yeah. striving to yeah. be better for you all the time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to be talking about sustainability in the bar and alcohol and restaurant industries in general. Um, because it, well, it's not exactly a new topic. It's a topic that's been going on for many, many years. But um, it's uh, something that I think that we haven't really covered in depth before on this podcast. So we're going to talk a bit about um, what it means to be a zero waste or low waste bar, uh, how we see the trend moving forward in China and in Asia uh, at a wider scale. And also we're going to be talking about some brands as well and what some, what some actual liquor and alcohol brands are doing to bring down their, their carbon footprint or reduce, or reduce waste. And what we think is bullshit. And what we think is bullshit. So we're going to talk about a lot of greenwashing as well. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, so let's let's start with bars. Um, because Alicia, I think of you, I mean, you, you are a writer, but I also think of you as kind of like a bar critic as well. I think you, you know your way around the Shanghai bar scene and more of the Asia bar scene. I feel like you're quite well-traveled in this part of the world. So I, I want to I ask you, like, in your opinion, what is a low-waste or zero-waste bar? And can a zero waste bar ever be achieved or is it a complete pipe dream? Okay, uh, so I, I'm i going to say that I, you know, I think that I have some knowledge on this topic, but I am by no means an expert. You know, there are some other writers in the region who really know, uh, who really are, I would say, experts on this topic. Yeah, so Holly Graham comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah Holly Graham mm -hmm. is exactly who I was going to mention. My former colleague at Drink, uh, she writes some amazing stuff and is super, super knowledgeable um, and really up to date with like everything that's going on in sustainability. Uh, so definitely check out her writing if you're if you're listening to this because she's great. Um, but I can just share, you know, what I know and my experience. And so in terms of in terms of the China scene, the Shanghai scene, you know, I think that there are only a small handful of venues who are really kind of it making an effort and you know and succeeding when it comes to any kind of sustainability and of course you know I think that we talked about before you know sustainability has almost become a taboo word mm -hmm. right because people put so much into it and you almost say sustainability with air quotes around it. Yeah, it's now, become right? such a nebulous term. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's it's overused and it's like a it's a it's a trendy word and it's lost a lot of its meaning okay but we, for our purposes we're going to use it um and so there are a few places like I mentioned I think that are kind of doing their best you know there's um the Hope Group in Guangzhou has always done their part as much as they can for you know sustainable practices in terms of not only their cocktails but also it, the the full sense of the word you know when it comes to um employee welfare you know, like packaging, just everything that they do. Um, and then there's uh, Jay Borowski in Shanghai, which they make the majority of their own ingredients. And so they have a lot of kind of closed loop drinks almost, you know, like they take a fruit, they make a syrup with it, and then they take the pulp from that fruit and they do an infusion. And then they take the pulp from that infusion, dehydrate it and use it as a garnish, right? So that's very cool. Um, there's Oha Group. You guys know the uh, bar number three, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. you know the, the Blackbird. Those places, and they've also, you know, they tried to have some initiatives where they're using things from their kitchens and stuff like that, and implementing different structures like within the bar setting. Um, the Cannery and and that group, Michael Chen. We all know Michael Chen, right? Great bartender mm -hmm. here in Shanghai. He's who, very well known. Yes, very, very well, well known. Loved. 
and he's always you know sustainability has always been something important to him and i would say that he's kind of one of the leading voices of it in china but ultimately overall the scene in china it's not very focused on sustainability and i would say that it's it's almost not a thing here you know like if someone says like what's the most sustainable bar in china it's kind of hard yeah it's kind of hard to say right and i think that that's not to say that people aren't thinking about it at all or aren't making any changes like that's not what i'm saying at all it's just not the priority here the way i think that it would probably be in other cities and settings you know of course a few years ago right like every single venue in china used plastic straws right and they kind of started that um uh stop sucking campaign you know um (laughs) And a lot of people... Was that the real name of the campaign? Stop th- th- sucking? Like, hashtag stop sucking was, like, part of it, you know? But, wow, okay. Um, but it was, like, the... No- from Bacardi, it was, like, the no... Str- um, oh, what was it? So I don't I, I don't remember what it was called. <laughs> I should remember, because I, I, like, worked on writing stuff with them at the time. But I, I um, love that. Stop sucking, I think, yeah. is amazing. Stop sucking is great, yeah. yeah. But, um, but, and now, you know... I've talked about this with other bartenders like people would be afraid to use (laughs) to use plastic straws any serious bar would be afraid to put out plastic straws in their menu now right and so and of course we know plastic straws in the big scheme of things it's like nothing it's like it's it's like a molecule of like it's not it's scratching the surface of the problem exactly it doesn't matter at all right (laughs) but it's it's kind of like um it's like a a small symptom that like leads to the bigger (laughs) disease right Mm -hmm. like so it Getting people aware of one thing then leads to awareness about other single-use plastic issues and plastic in general, waste in general, right? And so now that is kind of like a widespread practice, no one uses plastic straws anymore. Um, though even that, there's problematic, right? Logan, you what have you told us many times about the paper straws you get for your bar? Oh, my paper straws are always wrapped in plastic. Yeah, which, which is crazy. I mean, <laughs> obviously, the, the plastic that surrounds a paper straw is much lighter and thinner than an actual paper straw but still that's crazy right yeah Yeah. it should obviously just come in a bag but that bag would be a plastic bag either way filled with well i feel like there's got to be some kind of regulation that says that's why it's in a plastic thing maybe for it it has to be it has to be for hygiene reasons or something like that because one thing that i think we all know is that like china especially when it comes to sort of food i mean obviously there's the whole wet market situation was a whole different kettle of fish but like everything here is very much focused on hygiene like so when you go to like a very very typical chinese restaurant you get your your bowl and your plate and your cup yeah and they're all wrapped in shrink wrap plastic they're they're saran wrapped to the point where it's like you have to like break it open and like so i but do you know why with that stuff why why? because that stuff is reused it's sent back like to a factory basically and sanitized and re-wrapped in plastic and and sent back to restaurants that's why you open them and the and the bowls and everything look used very much yeah ah yeah Okay. That's why. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. But it, but still, you know, you would think you could just send it to the restaurant and make them wash them. Or yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then exactly. the trip back and forth alone is yeah. probably using so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, it, I mean, like, China, China is more and more changing the regulations when it comes to single-use plastic and stuff like that. I'm sure you guys remember last year or the year before, you know, all hotels were, um, they had to stop using uh, Get providing single-use plastic items unless the guests request it, like toothbrushes and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, restaurants are also legally not supposed to send any plastic tableware or or use plastic bags in their delivery. Um, it has to be requested by the customer. But as we all know, like that is not as um, it, it's not happening everywhere, right? Yeah. Like people yeah. people still do it. But um, that's not to say that that there aren't bars in Asia. Let's, let's you know, let's talk about Asia. There are some really yeah. amazing So before the before the podcast you were telling us about a bar in Singapore called Native. Yes. And tell us a bit about that because you've actually been there before. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to visit a few years ago before the border all the borders around here were closed. Um and Native is kind of I think like completely spearheading the like the idea of a low or zero waste bar um not only in asia but i think like across the world like this is a globally known bar that's won many awards for its efforts um and so native uh, the name comes from the fact that they only use products that are native to singapore completely okay so the the spirits are produced in singapore you know and um a lot of their garnishes and uh 
it, elements of their like uh, decor, like painting um, and coasters and aprons, all that stuff comes from like cutoffs from fabric markets and flower shops and things like that. And like even the music they play, they only play um, local bands. Like every single element is thought about, you know. And uh, when it comes to the ingredients and stuff like that, like they don't use any citrus. They only use alternative acids, you know. <coughs> just really, really every element. And so when when they opened at you know at the time where um an article i that that i know about was writing you know they were producing something like a fistful uh, uh, about the size of a fist of waste every that's night that's amazing yes. like i can't even imagine that yeah which for a bar you know like everyone that's here knows like very, that's very very yeah. crazy right yeah. and of course um that's very hard to achieve as well mm. like they've really spent years refining this and um making it their entire concept and so they are very cool and they've just opened another bar, bar called analog which i was just reading about uh in an article written by uh previously mentioned holly graham and analog is about this, this is also in singapore also in singapore sorry yeah so from the same team as native and it's about kind of you know they're trying to also get away from the the high board of sustainability and just thinking more about like what is the future of the bar industry look like and what's possible and so that a lot of the ingredients that they're like the ingredients that they focus on you know they think about uh factory farming mass production and stuff because like when a when an ingredient becomes super popular it's overproduced and that leads to like uh issues with the environment of course you know um that's in a nutshell right uh so they'll take something like chocolate and they'll find you know chocolate which is like a globally overused product and they'll use an alternative like carob okay mm -hmm. or they'll take vanilla and they'll use tonka bean you mm -hmm. know things like that and they're kind of creating these drinks that think not only about the flavors and what the drink will look like but like the entire drink like as a being like what is this drink and where's everything coming from and kind of like how does it affect how does it affect just just you know you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. um and so that's super cool and you know just like native it's not only the drinks that they're thinking about uh sustainability quote unquote like uh so they had a friend who was 3d printing using uh recycled plastic and so they actually 3d printed their entire bar out of recycled plastic that's i can't even imagine a 3d printer that's that size i know yeah it's, that's huge it's that's really awesome. crazy right and then you know they have like stools that are made of like this recycled plastic and mushrooms and things like that you know so like this bar that they did is supposed to be a more casual bar compared to native um and so you know making this kind of concept concept i guess like more easy going and mainstream Would you I say guess? they're making a recycling grid again yeah they're kind of making recycling great again you know and um <laughs> uh but yeah like i think that bars such as native and analog like they're on like the very far end of the spectrum right like this is like if you think about every single element of your bar and make everything sustainable and eco-friendly like what does it look like right um and of course like like i said that's not possible for everyone but i think it shows possibility yeah. right so there there's really no excuse anymore i think for bars to be like i don't know how to be sustainable i don't know how to change anything in my operations like whatever like there's always something you can do and native you know these bars show it to the extreme and so if you can just get somewhere along the line of where well, leading to where they are just do anything mm -hmm. you know. i feel like that's an untruth though because yeah. we do have <clears throat> There's a great scene in the movie called Fifth Element. Mm -hmm. uh, Gary Oldman, being the bad guy, says, I create chaos. Mm -hmm. He breaks a glass, and all these little robots and machines come. They clean up the broken glass. Mm -hmm. He goes, look, without me, they don't have anything to do. Mm -hmm. Right? So if I'm throwing away my waste the way I'm supposed to throw away, mm -hmm. by legal requirements in the country, mm -hmm. there's jobs that are created mm -hmm. that are going to not that, that be That are recycling jobs. Yeah, that right? are recycling like, yeah. jobs. Yeah, like, if no, I put everything... Of I, yeah. No, of course. I mean, I, I like. I don't think that everyone should be striving to be like Zero native. Waste. No, that's yeah, not yeah. like the point I was making. I'm You're just, about to say waste is good yeah. at all. At no. all, we all no. we all agree waste is bad. No, no, but I mean, like that. I, I, the only point I was making is like this. This is the extreme. Like this is everything you can do. So I don't think anyone can say they can't do anything. Like it's, they can take certain aspects. Like, like there are there are always ways to be conscious of the waste you're producing. I guess so. Like, ultimately, your question: Is it possible for there to be like a zero or low waste bar? Like, yes, 
native shows that it's possible, but it takes a lot of work and a lot of thought. Intuition and, as well. Yes. And yeah. I think that in um, settings like here in China, you know, it's just at the moment, like, it's a lot easier and a lot cheaper to mm. not be sustainable. And that's very, yeah. very hard for bars to not consider when, when they're running their operations. Like, ultimately, like, cost for most people is, is the main factor they need to think about, yeah, right? Yeah, and also profit as well. So, like, you know, um, so I, I travel outside of outside of Shanghai quite a lot doing, like, visiting bars and doing, because I have a gin brand, so I, I visit various bars. One one thing that is different in, like, a Tier 2 city as, as compared to Shanghai is that bars in Tier 2 cities have a much longer lifespan mm -hmm. than bars in Shanghai. Mm -hmm. So, like, we, we all know we've all been here for many, many years. We've, I think we've all been here for like eight years plus, right? Like, so we, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we know the scene. Um, bars that live beyond like two or three years are actually pretty rare. Yes, and it's like, like a massive celebration when that happens, yeah. right? Yeah, everyone has a party. Yeah, so like it's like so so there's the the bar scene here and the 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 food and beverage scene has a very very high turnover and there's lots of new bars and old new bars opening and new bar, and old bars closing, but outside of and I, I don't know how profitable it really is if I'm being honest because like the rent here is very high mm -hmm. you have to like make a lot of money just to make your rent mm -hmm. and there's there's certain units here we know that have changed hands so many times just because the rent is so difficult and so high, whereas if you move out of Shanghai into a tier two city the long the the lifespan of a bar is much longer because they don't because labor is labor is cheaper rent is cheaper but the cocktails are a similar price mm -hmm. so like it's much easier to to make a profit that way yeah. and i think because because they are so focused on profit and because they are so focused on like making making that buck becoming eco-friendly or sustainable kind of becomes an afterthought mm -hmm. because like plastic straws are cheap mm -hmm. um you don't really have to think about where your garnish comes from you can you can throw the whole kitchen sink on a drink and mm -hmm. not really think about right. it because you're already you're already making profit as it is so like why would you why you know, it's just not it's not in their mindset to think yeah. about something like that so i think there is like definitely kind of like a sort of city dweller mentality when it comes to this and like an outside <laughs> like an outside of Shanghai mentality mm -hmm. and so would you say that you think Shanghai bars are much more eco-conscious uh, than, than other bars in I don't know I mean I, I feel like it's it's hard to like make a <laughs> I, I want to say yes but but you know that's not that this is not based on like fact yeah, and research yeah. right I mean I think that Shanghai like we know this is a cosmopolitan city right it's always um ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, trend and just like um, social issues, just everything, right? So people are have just a different perspective than when you're in a in a smaller city, like anywhere in the world, of course, yeah. you know. Um, and so, like, yes, I think that people do think about it more. Like, we're, we're seeing more and more bars trying to show, you know, and and implement sustainable elements into mm -hmm. their bars. Um, and you know, like one, it, I mean. It's just people I can also get like this is kind of like the epicenter of creativity at you know for F and B I think a lot of times in in China and so like when people are trying to think of different ways of like how how to be sustainable um, how to use ingredients in different ways like a lot of it starts here you know so like we were talking about Michael Chen you know um, I think that it it is a lot. It can be easier for restaurant and bar groups, mm -hmm. you know, in, in Shanghai as well, because they they have multiple resources that they, they can use and that can cross over with each other. And this is something also Hope and Sesame does in Guangzhou with their multiple venues. But like uh, Michael, you, you know, he'll do things where uh, using thing like trying to incorporate things from the kitchen into the bars, you know, so things that they're already ordering a lot of, like, how can we bring this into the bar as well so that you're cutting down on, like, your deliveries and um, over, like, a uh, variety of ingredients, like, to an unnecessary point, you know, um, and so, you know, there's a lot of crossover, mm -hmm. you know, which I think is, is really cool. Um, and then just, like, what people do with ingredients after so there, there's a group here that I know for a while you know their bars went through a a, a large amount of citrus every night as do most bars um mm -hmm. which you know Logan will talk about in a bit like uh, how many lines he uses here yeah. um and so they were taking 
So from their like main bar, which used the majority of the citrus, you know, every night they would pack up the the leftover lemon husks and they would bring them to one of their restaurants, um, give them to the chef who would then turn it into what they called this rescued lemon jam. So he would like cook down the cook down the husks and put in some other ingredients and make it into this jam, which they then used in cocktails across their bars um, and in some different dishes and stuff at the restaurants, which is super cool, right? But like not everyone has the the, the resources and the staff um, and whatever to do that kind of thing. But these are some ideas that I think can start at one place and then spread to... And then, and then spread yeah. and bubble out. And yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. So like Logan, you, you've you uh, told us many times that you'd really like to in, it, to own a lime farm, right? Yeah, just I want to be the, a lime farmer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because of, like, tell us how many limes you use like on a uh, on the daily at oh at least about uh 70 or 80 kilos 70 kilos a day yeah because everything's fresh oh my gosh oh yeah okay so in your you're in the big leagues now (laughs) yeah i guess so like and if i'm talking about all my all three restaurants then maybe 120 kilos holy shit so there's a lot for those of you who don't know logan owns a uh mexican chain taco chain called Tacolicious. Mexican yeah. American? Mexican American. Yeah. And Mexican food is very lime, lime, lime forward, yeah, yeah. lime heavy. Yeah, and everything they do, you know, there's no... Um, Chef Mike doesn't work here, so and that means no no microwave, so everything is made fresh. And there's no, you know, bottled sweet and sour mix margaritas, yeah. No. Yeah, so when you're getting a margarita here, it's all, everything, the, everything all is the lime juice. Yeah, everything yeah. is fresh made. We, yeah. yeah. And you can see us make it in front of you, all the stuff. Yeah. yeah, we go through, if it's all three restaurants, about 120 kilos a day. Right, 120 kilos, like, that's a massive amount of stuff to deal with. On, but a, s- on a slow day, just for the bar, it's about uh, 60 gin, so about 30 kilos. Oosh. That's a That's an empty day. We know we have nothing to do. Yeah, that's So we still make the juice. We still have to do the limes mm-hmm. and, and lemons. Lemons is still probably, like, 20 kilos. Yeah. Mm. So that that's the thing is you were, you know, you were saying, like, what am I meant to do with all of these lime husks? And even at that level, like, I don't even know what to tell you to do. Like, I can, like, there are some things that you can do which are quite cool with some of them, right? Yeah, but it's, it's a like lot, using, and it'll go bad yeah. too fast. Yeah, but, but but I mean, like, something you can do, do you guys ever make oleosaccharum? No, I used not. to do it all the time at Logan's Punch, oleosaccharums. With what? your, what? What? do you what? use it with your spent? So basically, oleosaccharum is a really cool way to make a cocktail. Oleosaccharum, you take orange and lemon peels. Mm-hmm. If you want to any be, citrus peels. Mostly, really. yeah, any citrus peels. Yeah. You macerate them with uh, sugar. Like, uh, it has to be the... Um, I like to put a little salt in there, too. Help with the sweat. But it has to be it has to be uh, the crystalline sugar. It can't be, like, just a sugar cube. Okay. You mash it all up, uh, and then you let it sit for about eight hours. Salt, also a, mm-hmm. a key factor, a very good thing. Mm-hmm. And basically get these this sugar that comes off of it. Like a, It's not like a simple syrup. But you get this. Uh, you're only using the pith of the, uh, of the, or sorry, the the, the skin. skin. Mm-hmm. You're not using any pith. You're only getting the skin of it. You're making this really tasty. It's like a citrus peel syrup. Yes, yeah, a citrus citrus peel syrup, and then you use is that, that for cocktails. Is that similar to limoncello? Like, is it kind of like a similar thing to like the Italian limoncello? Well, limoncello like, would be an infusion. Yeah, like I'll make right? some for you next okay, time. Okay. You do it with yeah. gin. It's okay. very tasty. But but the thing well, the thing that's also cool about oleosaccharum is you don't have like eight, eight hours is like that's kind of the minimum, right? You, you yeah, don't longer the better. But you can let it sit a long time. You can even leave it for like a week or more, and then lacto fermentation starts to occur, and so you get you can get these like really funky flavors, you know. So you can make this like big, like you can put all of your husks in like a big thing, and then add salt and sugar, or whatever, and then you're getting like a new product out of it right i mean of course at the end of the day you're going to throw away those husks but you are like getting another use out of you them get another product yeah, so yeah. Second yeah. Cool. Second, second, second life yeah, yeah second life and and it adds like it's much different than just using like a lemon juice or lemon syrup like it's this new zesty flavor which i think is yeah it's very cool. flavorful like just crystal sugar that's like you taste it like oh wow yeah it's like the first time you ever ate uh, Wrigley's fruit shoes or something like that. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. a very, it's a very flavorful. It is, uh, yeah, because the sugar. the husks sweat and and release a lot of ton more liquid than you would ever expect when you add that so, sugar. I, I, I salt, imagine yeah. oleosacrum is sugar oil, so yeah, it, yeah. It, it's 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 sugared oil. It's yeah. delicious. Sugared oil. yeah, So that's okay. like one thing I know, like a a fair amount of bars would do with theirs, right? You know. Um, uh, but of course, like like you said, like a hundred kilos or something, like you can't you can't use that. That's much, crazy. You know, yeah. um, something else. Uh, Jay Brasios, they make this thing called pink citrus. So instead of fresh citrus juice, like they take all of the husks that they've 
use. Um, so like orange, lemon, lime, grapefruit, whatever. They boil them in water. You're making like a citrus stock, it's called. Um, and then they add a few petals of dried hibiscus, which is very, very sour. And then strain out those peels and they end up with this big bottle of like what essentially works as lemon juice. And it's it's great. Like uh, they, they'll use that in cocktails and stuff like that instead of a fresh citrus juice. So that's also giving that second life and reducing the need for more juice, which I think is very cool. You know, so there are there are things, you know, and that's yeah. just citrus. We're just talking about one ingredient, but citrus is a huge it's a huge institution for, for cocktails. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And the absolutely. average bar isn't going to be using all different acid alternatives, um, you know, like somewhere like native wood. Um, mm -hmm. Though there are many. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think going back to what Logan was saying about, you know, the scene in China, for example, with uh, ecological or like eco-friendly solutions, um, <clears throat> there are some things where you know there's like a government regulation and right. there's certain things you have to do mm -hmm. so one of the things i was talking about before the podcast was um for example most a lot of bars they will have bar food in which case you use oil to cook a lot of these mm -hmm. like oilier foods like uh fries and stuff like that so uh, a few years ago i watched this documentary about this uh professional skateboarder named kenny anderson mm -hmm. uh, he's based in california and he has a few restaurants uh, one of the cool things that he did was uh, with all the leftover oil that he had, he actually rigged his car so that it runs on vegetable oil. I had a friend who did that back in Rhode Island many years ago. Which yeah. is which is really cool. Mm -hmm. like, and like his restaurant alone wasn't enough to run his car, so mm -hmm. he got several other restaurants nearby mm -hmm. to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And when I brought this up, uh, Logan mentioned that in in Shanghai, for example, you actually have a guy that comes and picks up Your all food this waste, oil. Right? And this yeah. is this is like a regulation, right? Like they yeah, he, have, com he comes in twice or three times a day yeah. and picks up all the cooking oil. So there are uh, certain things where like, you know, you could come up with a solution, but also there's a system in yeah, place. Yeah, that's the thing. There's, and, there is red tape, of course, yeah. that you have to, and you have to be very aware of it here in in China and, and anywhere, right? Because you can lose your business, yeah. of right. course. No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. Like, but I do feel like sometimes China is this like everlasting paradox where I think it's actually this is a good chance for us to talk about the culture of Waimai here mm -hmm. because I think mm -hmm. we, all of us get Waimai every day. So Waimai just being delivery guys at home? Yeah, yeah. So Waimai basically means like out, like outer, it, take out essentially. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, well, look who's using Duolingo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. So basically there's a few apps. There's like Meituan, there's Erlamar, and it's essentially like DoorDash, right? I guess the, the US or, or Eats, yeah. Eats yeah. or something like that, right? So, um, but this is like, very very prevalent in China. It is massive. It's, you it's cannot huge. possibly imagine. Yeah, because I think the difference, like for example, something like DoorDash or Postmates or whatever, is that for delivery in the US you pay like seven or eight dollars for like somebody to. Mm -hmm. And if you're just ordering a coffee from Starbucks, you've automatically doubled the cost of your coffee just by having it right. taken to your door. But here, delivery is like an extra few cents. Few cents. Yeah. Buck fifty. Tops. And it's incredibly yeah. fast. Very quick. Everyone's on scooters, so and they're zooming by cars. Thousands. Of and they're also yeah. eco-friendly scooters because they're no gas. They're only yeah. electric scooters. Yeah, yeah. true. Uh, but that being said, um, there is a big culture of plastic here yeah. and yeah. single-use plastics. But so in the in the, um, I'm sure you guys remember in the past couple years they made a law. Did, sorry, did we talk about this in the last one or this one again? We talked about it briefly, just now. But we, we can go in more depth. Uh oh. Yeah. I can't remember. Utensils? Yeah, did we say yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, we mentioned it. In re-recording we said it? No, yes. uh, but, but we didn't go into it. You just you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned it like very, it. very, very quickly. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we okay. can go into so, it. Okay, so um, in, the, in like the past year, I, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before that they put a, um, you know, a blanket ban on single use. Plastics being an automatic part of your delivery because usually when you order here it comes with chopsticks plastic fork plastic spoon um, Often gloves because it, it's a cultural thing here people eat things like pizza chicken wings uh, tacos. tacos. Yeah, yeah with they wear plastic gloves, um, which you know most of us Western folk uh, We love to just get our hands dirty, right? Um, <laughs> but like so They they put a ban you're not you're not allowed to just automatically send those and you're not also not meant to send a plastic bag okay so your plastic bag is supposed to be some kind of um paper or like paper yeah. or like biodegradable whatever you know um 
And, but the thing is, so when you're ordering from these delivery apps, there's like an option where you select whether or not you use, um, you, you need cutlery or whatever. Um, but the, the problem is like, it's not that, it's not regulated yeah. enough yet, yeah. you know? Even if you press, I don't need, they'll they, send it anyway. A lot of it's places just, send it's it. just so automatic. Like even, even today with the one that we bought today before this podcast, mm-hmm. I said, I, I specifically said it because like, we don't need it. Cause yeah. it's like, we're in a restaurant. We're not going to need, we're not going to need knives and forks because yeah. they're, they're obviously available here. But they came. But they came anyway. And this, these, these aren't that bad. They're made of wood. Yeah. But still, I requested no, it still came and it annoyed exactly. the shit out of me. Yeah. yeah. And, and hotels also. So, hotels, um, at least in Shanghai, at least in the tier one cities, I think, um, they're not meant to give out any uh, of these like single use, like shampoo bottles, toothbrushes, et cetera. They're not supposed to be in your room anymore. It's only if requested, you know? Yeah. So, I think that, you know, these big cities are. And oh, and of course, as we all know, the the new trash sorting laws that came into effect oh, a few yeah. years ago, yeah. right? So something interesting for uh, everyone mm-hmm. of you listening outside of China, there's like very um, strict trash sorting rules in China, which are fairly new. So most compounds they have workers who like oversee the trash sorting to make sure that everyone does it properly. So there's like for food waste, for household waste, like uh, like. Uh, what's it called like chemical kind of waste whatever but there are these attendants that make sure you're sorting your trash properly and a lot of places like it's only open certain hours of the day you know yeah. because yeah. because it is so new this is a city of 30 million people right so they you know this is a sign of the city like really trying to move forward with yeah. this kind of stuff um but it's just like it's coming it's coming slowly yeah. you know mm-hmm. and and it is hard to regulate there are so many of us in this city but yeah definitely uh, I think it's it's kind of like what you said with the straws. Like, yeah, we started off using paper straws instead mm-hmm. of plastic straws, but now they call come in plastic sleeves. Yeah. And I think the next step is converting the sleeves that it comes in into paper or or no sleeve at all. Or no sleeve at all. Sleeve at all. Yeah. Um, but we all know they love yeah. wrapping things here. Yeah. So you know, next step probably I would assume would be paper, and then maybe no sleeve at all. But it goes it goes beyond like just your uh, delivery, uh, for like like uh, takeout. It, it's even with groceries and stuff like that. Um, you order say like a box of oranges. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, like you know, in in the states, like we would have them in like a paper bag, and you just like grab a bunch of oranges. Here, they'll give you a giant plastic or giant cardboard box wrapped in plastic, and then when you open the cardboard box, there's like sleeves of styrofoam and inside the styrofoam is another individual plastic yeah, bag it's for too each much. individual orange mm-hmm. um but yeah. i always feel about the plastic farmers what are they doing i know what about their jobs well it, this is i think uh, leads into a, a good next question which is like how much it how much is being done like just for the show or because we actually care right yeah and, yeah. and that that's going to lead us to talking about some brands and things like that and even just as a consumer like I want to say, like, I, I care about the environment. I try to think about it in my daily life. But at the same time, like, I'm super guilty because I order a ton of delivery food. Yeah. You know, like, sometimes multiple meals a day. Um, I often order my groceries. You know, if I go to the, gro- the the store, like, I bring my own bag, whatever. But I order a ton of groceries and, mm-hmm. um, like, just everything. And, and there's a... a a part of me which is like oh my god you suck like look how much trash I'm producing every day and then there's the other part of me who is like I am busy and I need this convenience and it's here yeah. and it's very hard to let go of right it's, 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 it's hard to strike that balance it is yeah. really really hard yeah. and so, so so let's talk about what some brands are doing because we've already talked about bars mm-hmm. so there's a lot of brands under the umbrella of Diageo or Pono Ricard that are kind of moving forward with either changing their bottles or they're using more sustainable practices or something Yeah. so we, we know that um, Shivas the whiskey, uh, Beef Eater, Plymouth, and Gordon's Gin mm-hmm. are all cha- making changes to their bottles so mm-hmm. that they're lighter mm-hmm. um, and that they use less glass mm-hmm. and that they're easier to, I guess, they use less carbon to transport if mm-hmm. they're lighter or something like that, right? Um, well, that sounds nice, like, on, mean, yeah. on the surface at least, right? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> so, it, my question with, like, that kind of thing, it's like, it's great. How come... Like, if it's... Po- I guess the thing is, so many of these things, like, if it's possible, like, why were they ever 
using so much it's because like it takes technology and research to like yeah. make a smaller bottle and now it's at the point of like okay we can do it it's like yeah because if, if you if you look at a lot because we we have a great gin from brazil mm -hmm. that's in this like very handcrafted beautiful bottle oh it's the like, flask like, shaped like, one right yeah, it's like, yeah it's, i have like, that it, it looks like a sort of potion thing i've given it's that a, as, a, as a gift by you guys yeah oh. i love it it's beautiful. okay yeah, yeah. it's, it's a the beautiful pink gin, right yeah the pink gin yeah. yeah so it's making this beautiful bottle but the glass it's it, it's so heavy uh -huh. and it takes up so much glass but it does look very beautiful and very so much artisan. space right like in a yeah. box you could probably only fit yeah, because it's, it's 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 the size of it's like the shape of a lap bottle, yeah. so you have a lot of negative space that's right. in the that's in the box as well. Yeah, but like that that's a handmade bottle, and it does it is chunkier and thicker yeah. than, than some of these new bottles that are coming out of like these very industrialized molds. Yeah. So um, I mean, it's I mean I think it's going to result in like less beauty and less yeah and less well, artisan. I think you're also bringing up a very interesting point, whereas. Uh, with the bottles themselves, mm -hmm. like obviously glass bottles, much better than plastic bottles. Mm -hmm. I'll agree on that. But I go through enough tequila bottles. Like we were doing, uh, we were doing um, empty, no label bottles for water bottles. Mm -hmm. So I saw that at a different restaurant. I was like, oh, this is very cool, mm -hmm. you know? And then the FDA came here and they said, oh, you can't have that on the table. Just a water bottle on the table. Mm -hmm. They're like, you can't have that because customers might think it's tequila. What? I was like, well, okay. If you say so. Yeah, obviously. We so follow that, the law. That's why you guys have pitchers now yeah. instead? Okay. But it was one of those things where we're trying to upcycle. Yeah. Right? But certain things, no matter how much you want to try, mm -hmm. you just can't do things. So think about, like, if I'm doing 120 kilos of limes, mm -hmm. think of how many bottles I'm going through. Yeah, right. Right? Well, so that, that's, and that's I mean, glass bottles making somebody else either recycling, hopefully, mm -hmm. after we sort everything, mm -hmm. we're not responsible for anything else after it leaves our place, mm -hmm. right? We have to sort our trash out the right ways. Mm -hmm. We make sure we do it, or it's a huge fine to us. Mm -hmm. But there, there should be better ways in place to upcycle. Well, so how? Uh, not really upcycling, but how about eco spirits, guys? Let's talk about eco spirits. Okay, yeah. Uh, completely illegal in the states. Completely illegal in the states. Yeah, you could never refill a bottle. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's very, 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 very bad. Okay, but, okay. but, but. There's, there's other ways to do it. So, okay, so hey, eco before we start, let's, let's, start, let's start by saying what it is. Mm -hmm. So what is Eco Spirits? So Eco Spirits is an Asia born and bred, um, really cool program. Love by, the program. We use it as our house our house vodka. Yeah, that's great. It, it, it's by, um, so it was made by Proof and Company, um, and they're like a large, uh, I don't know, what would you call it, distributor yeah. in yeah. Asia. I mean, they also spearhead some bars and stuff like that. Um, but They're so, moves and shakers. Yeah, so it's this system where they deliver these, so bars can use these things called eco-totes, which is um, an, uh, a, what's it, what it's is a, it? It's a metal it's carton. Like, it's like a metal tank. It's I don't like remember if it's aluminum or... like a glass tank on the inside. Yeah, yeah. inside, and so bar, bars can order these uh, eco-totes, and they're filled with spirit. Um, I, a branded spirit. A, a branded, yeah, 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 branded spirit. Um, and then once it's finished, the... The Eco Spirits team comes and collects it and brings it back to their Eco plant, which is like their um, refilling station. Refilling yeah. station, yeah. yeah. So you know the bottles are sanitized, refilled, brought back, right? Um, and so this is like super cool. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of research which you can find online because they spent, I think, they spent many years, something like five years, trying to perfect this system so that it could be like. Um, you know, lower carbon, and and there are, they have numbers and stuff like that on their websites. Also, about, the like, products are really good too. Yes, yeah. it's it's nice spirits that are coming. I mean, yeah. you can get plantation there's rum. Like, yeah, like, there's uh, peddlers, which peddlers is a very gin. nice local gin. Yeah, my uh, second uh, favorite gin. Second favorite second gin. Second favorite gin. What's what's the vodka? Uh, TNT. 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 Okay. Yeah, so they have they have good brands that are working yeah. with. Yeah, they have great right? brands, and um, so the idea is that a bar will just refill their bottle from the from the eco tote you know so that you're not ordering all these bottles so that reduces on yeah. you know reduces on shipping obviously glass production like all of these things it's super super cool you know it's available a lot of places across asia i think they're going to be launching in australia um and that's amazing of course like logan said that it is an issue for some places so the first place they ran into that issue is, is hotels right hotels are not allowed to refill a bottle yeah refill, you know? well refilling is a huge but optics thing as well. The, well, so they came up with a new system, which is um, that the tote itself has a, has a nozzle. And so um, there's a there's a cool bar here in Shanghai, Lavar. They're 
bar was designed around the ecotote system. So basically, like you have the totes and lined up, uh, they're just sunken into the bar, but you just put your glass, you press a button, and it measures the perfect pour. It just comes out of a spout. So then, like you're not have you don't have any bottles at all. You know, so there are solutions for bars who want to use the totes they're also like they're space saving like they all stack up which is really cool for storage you know because that's yeah. another mm. issue right they're very, they're very square shaped no, we, yeah. I mean, so yeah. there's not a lot of wasted space as, as a person that actually uses uh the system yeah. we, we like it but i know going through china you never refill a bottle that looks mm -hmm. bad optically right right and there's a lot of backlash rightfully so about yeah. that because we've had a lot of issues with uh the quality of booze mm-hmm now I think it's a lot better. Yeah. We're not getting fake booze anywhere in Shanghai. Mm -hmm. but we hope anyway. We hope, yeah. But with that said, you know, I think that is a mountain they have to climb. And it's something that yeah. you don't think for a recyclable brand what it is, mm -hmm. but it is still in the forefront of people's thoughts. Like, I would never show you me filling up a bottle no, of water. No, of course, you have to, you definitely have to do it behind the scenes, right? Even, no matter how you justify it, like, it's ethical, it's not a lot of, you know, at the end of the day, you're filling up a bottle. Yeah. Right. Which does not look good. Yeah. But I think, like, as a start, like, this is definitely, like, it, I, I, it's probably one of the only, if not the only, kind of solution right now in the world for, like, cutting down on bottles, In a, right? I mean, it's really... What about the sand farmers? <laughs> well, they still have to make the glass that goes inside the ecotel. Like yeah. for for Crimson Penguin, who's you guys have a glass factory, obviously. Yeah, we, we we have a bottle factory. Um, uh, we we actually just redid our bottle. We did we redid our mold, and it's one centimeter shorter than the. It's, it's still the same ml, but it's uh, we did it one centimeter shorter. I haven't haven't weighed it yet, but I, I will do I will do that. <laughs> I, I, I will do that next time, yeah, because I kind of want to weigh it and see what the, the difference first is. Second I to do list now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but it definitely the glass is definitely thinner and it's definitely shorter. So mm -hmm. I think it, we definitely use less glass there. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but uh, one thing that does happen a lot in China is glass factories and bottle factories are quite heavily regulated because of the eco issue. Mm -hmm. right. So like when we were actually making the mold for this for this. Um, for this new bottle, it actually took much longer than expected because they were getting checked and audited and there's certain MOQs that you have to meet and there's certain environmental factors that you have to meet and things like that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it th things like this are watched in China quite a lot, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's, a, for what we see and we take as a daily face value, we're seeing it different than the West sees it. Yeah. Because we are highly regulated with everything we do here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, when we say there's somebody that checks the oil every day, there's somebody, literally, their job, they come here, they take my oil, oil like, three or four times a day. Yeah. Like, that's a dude, that's his job, he has a little car, mm -hmm. and he's doing that for every restaurant. In the States, it's not like that at all. Right. You're kind of left on your own. I'm sure in the right. UK, it's something like that. Other places, it's, you know, you're left on your own merits. Here, if they say do it, you do it or else. Yeah. And the or else is, like, a fine or something... Yeah, but it, you have to follow the rules and eco-friendly I think is a very it's so weird to say it but like China is very eco-friendly like we're more eco-friendly than like I've seen in the States because they will have IEs pick out trash yeah I mean yeah. Boot, boots on the ground level yeah it's definitely more eco-friendly yeah. for sure so a lot of it is behind the scenes too that you don't see like for example this oil thing a lot of people wouldn't normally see this whole process but it's there it's yeah true. i have and to I mean, paint the guy all the time i like, get yeah i guess a place like the u.s who does produce like sends in the past sent a ton of their trash to china to deal with like actually sent their trash to china right like a country like the u.s that has uh what a fifth of the a, a quarter of the population you know and they are producing way more trash but in the u.s people it's like they talk about it so much so they think that they're greener right yeah. and and i think that this is something we we are all interested in which is like greenwashing like yeah how much yeah. is this stuff is actually happening and how mm. much is greenwashing like, like just because you're fucking on instagram being like hashtag eco-friendly like hashtag stop sucking it's, <laughs> it's a marketing slogan yeah right. and, yeah. and like, so many people like they're still producing so much stuff like even just like the amount of packaged food that you have in the u.s just everything you know and like it sometimes there are things i think we're complaining about here or like i i know i'm guilty of like the way i get a shipment and there's so much packaging in it and stuff like i think that i still use less packaging than i would in the u.s just because 
so many things like you rely more on fresh food you know and like uh cook, just the way you're cooking like you go to the supermarket it it's not aisles upon aisles the way you would see like in right. the u.s mm-hmm. at walmart of like most of your food is packaged you know like mm. so there are there i don't know on the one hand sometimes i look at it and i'm like god there's so much waste here and then on the other hand i'm like maybe i just think there's more because people aren't talking about how how they're trying to reduce it do you you know what i mean does that make sense well it's kind of part like when they took away all the public trash cans for a while here yeah yeah remember there was trash cans everywhere and then now there's like one every three blocks yeah because they want you to sort your trash properly at home yeah which is huge yeah that's a massive massive thing that starts at home and other countries do that and you know this is where these ideas come from i mean they're are places where like there there were uh you know studies showing like okay like if you limit uh your trash disposal times you know then people are more likely to follow it and do it properly right and if you have the fewer trash cans like i remember years ago my uh friend went on a trip to japan and she was like there are not trash cans anywhere because like you're supposed to you're supposed to sort your stuff right and do it properly and with these public trash cans you're just you're just putting it everywhere you know um so So closing thoughts guys yeah what do you got Okay, so last last thing. I'm going to tell you about two or three separate brands and what their plans are mm-hmm. for the next few years. Mm-hmm. And I want you guys to tell me if you think it's bullshit greenwashing or you think it's actually going to make a difference. Okay. Okay. So there is a Scotch producer called White and McKay. And they're going to, going forward, they're going to be using homegrown oak as a sustainable alternative rather than importing the casks for their Scotch. Because I think imp- importing casks and barrels is a very common practice in the whiskey in the whiskey. It can't be Scotch then, right? I don't think. Right? It has to be American oak. They have some weird it says, rules. It, it says here it's a Scotch producer, White and McKay. No yeah, but Scotch has some no weird rules a about Scotch a Scotch producer or producer of Scotch. Scotch producer. It says. So these are Scottish people making Scotch, Scotch. or what? Uh, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's they, some rules for the for the for the. Oak. Oh, it's like American bourbon. They have, there's rules for certain things. Everything's regulated. Okay, but but do you think uh, importing? Do you think using homegrown oak is going to be better for the environment than using imported oak, or does it depend on a lot of things? I mean, like if you think about farmers? it, then well, the oak farmers are just local. Uh, yes, it seems like it because shipping wood across the world seems insane, right? Yes. It's like when you people here buying imported Christmas trees, I'm like. What the fuck is wrong with you? Just get a locally grown, grown tree, right? Like, why is my Christmas tree coming from Canada? Um, that's where the best Christmas trees come from. I come know, on, but that's together. crazy to ship it across the world, right? Like, I don't even celebrate crazy? Christmas. I always buy a Christmas tree from Canada. Well, <laughs> I buy maple, a local... My maple syrup <laughs> from China. Christmas I buy a local Chinese tree. I don't even know if that's good. You probably should not even be buying the tree. I don't know. But um, if that seems like it's a better idea. Like, I think yeah. that going local is yeah going local is always always the best if you can avoid shipping I think it's a good thing yeah I mean unless you want the world economy to collapse then yeah going local is very good for you if we're investing (laughs) in the world economy then yes you want to to be honest you want to buy stuff from overseas I mean yeah but I mean there are some things that like you can get here yeah yes like like Christmas trees yeah (laughs) okay next one so your eggs your eggs yeah. Right. So the other thing is, Beam Centauri, they have recently pledged four million US dollars to restore thirteen hundred hectares of peatlands by twenty thirty. Greenwashing. Green, not whitewashing. Is that greenwashing mm-hmm. or is that actual something? That's not green. even that much space. That's not even yeah. that much money. And I feel like four million dollars isn't even that much money. Yeah. Also, Jim Beam, please sponsor so, me. So I do feel like there's this like trap that a lot of That's I, I wouldn't really call it a trap, but is it because like. For example, Shanghai, like we were talking about how Shanghai is one of those places that thrives on trends. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these bigger companies, they rely on big cities like Mm -hmm. this. And when you have one company who's, let's say there's a company that's actually doing something. For Mm -hmm. example, for example, uh, Shiva's, like they're they're reducing the amount of glass they use. Like other companies that are competitors they have to come up with something. Yeah, they have to do yeah. something. Like, like, because that's the trend. Then you have to do it as right. well. Right. So I think the problem is a lot of it's them... It's like an eco-arms race. Exactly. So, but Shiva's coming up with this thing. So like two years before that, Bacardi made an announcement that they were reducing the amount of pla- plastic used in their bottling by 
XXXXXX tons per year, right? And so you could say that Perno is like that's a response to right. I'm not saying they actually. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, yes, yes. So I can relate. I can relate a story. There's a very popular beer called Heineken, right? Mm-hmm. Now my story is fast. The founder of Heineken went to some refugee camp and noticed all these people were really impoverished. Mm-hmm. And what they did is started making octagonal bottles. Mm-hmm. And what they started making, you can look this up, they started making Heineken bottles that were shaped like eight-sided octagons. Mm-hmm. And people started stacking them to make houses. Mm-hmm. And that's a real environmental thing they tried their best to do. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, the houses were fantastic. The houses actually, there's still houses there. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it was all the beer products washing up on the beaches, and they just felt really bad about it. Yikes! Okay. Uh, yeah. With that said, though, it wasn't enough profit because making an eight-sided bottle is very expensive. Right. Yeah. You yeah. pay for a mold, so a whole and then, mold. Yeah. Yeah. So these things are good ideas, and they've been done since the '70s and the '60s and everything. But they do phase out because you still have to turn a profit. Yeah. Right. And Heineken's not a small potato. Heineken is Heineken, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's all good for us, but I think it's better for the consumer to have the right choices to make and make choices that aren't just flash the pan choices, but... Let's yeah, end so on a final question then. Uh, I'd like to see from each of you. Uh, I watched like this very bleak documentary recently. Um, do you... Was it called Chappie? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't remember what it was called. Do you guys believe that as a consumer, you have any real power Impacts. over, you know our impact on the environment of course yeah individually no depends on what kind of consumer you are i think we have the ability to do our best i think i think it's that mentality where you're like as a consumer i can't do anything and you just don't do anything at all i think that's problematic collectively i think if we all go in with the mindset of doing our part like it can actually help Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things Mm -hmm. But we have to work as a unit, not as individuals. Right, right, oh, for sure. If all four of us went to a big chain burger restaurant mm-hmm. and didn't order a burger that wasn't sustainably farmed, wouldn't really care. Nobody would. Nobody would care. But all four of us went to a local mom and pop restaurant, the sustainably farmed, mm-hmm. and we said, "Oh, you're not sustainably doing this thing." Mm-hmm. They would t- definitely take a listen, mm-hmm. and that would that would be an uptick to swing to something else. Mm-hmm. To finally, the, the, the big food chain would come there and be like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. this is the trend now, mm-hmm. right? Four people don't have an opinion when it's against a major business, mm-hmm. but if for a smaller mom and pop place, I think they're going to listen to you because it's mom and pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, thanks, guys. That was a great chat. Yeah. All right. See you in the next Cheers, one. Cheers, everybody. Be green if you can. Also, fuck turtles.